The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, trainings, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Dr. Leo Weiss, founding faculty member of the Dalai Lama's Compassion and Cultivation Program at Stanford University. Leah Weiss is also a lecturer at Stanford Business School and a researcher and meditation expert. She's dedicated her life to teaching people how to leverage research-based mindfulness and compassion insights to create outstanding leaders and a thriving work environment. Her new book is How We Work. Live Your Purpose, Reclaim Your Sanity, and Embrace the Daily Grind. You can read Sam Moe's interview with Dr. Weiss in the March-April issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Leah Weiss, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm very happy to talk to you. The book was really fascinating, and... Honestly, there's so much in here, and our time together is so short. I'm just going to focus on one aspect of this, and if that's okay with you, and you can bring in anything else you want. But the the notion of living your purpose just speaks to me. I don't know if it speaks to me because I'm trying to live my purpose, or I've given up on living my purpose, or I have no purpose. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something about purpose that I thought we could explore, and you talk about it. It's, it's sort of at the heart of your book. And you talk about it. You, you, this is a quote from the book, you know, purpose with a capital P is how you put it. And I'd like to just explore this for a while. So, so tell us how you understand purpose with a capital P. I think for me, purpose with a capital P is the purpose that we can come back to, that we can orient ourselves by. And the metaphor that I most appreciate about purpose is um, specifically the metaphor of a puzzle box top, that we need to use purpose. We need to use the puzzle box top to guide how we're putting together the pieces. We need to continually refer to it and put ourselves in conversation with it. 
which I think is a great way of understanding what we need to do um, with our purpose in our day-to-day life. If it doesn't translate into making sense and mapping onto the mundane, then it's not going to be of service to us. Okay. So is, is the, is this purpose sort of built into the fabric of the universe or is it something that, that we create just as, as individuals? Well, I think that I love the first part of your question. The way I approach it in the context of the book is that we need to find an articulation of the purpose that fits for us. Um, that doesn't preclude the idea that there may be a bigger sense of purpose in the universe that we need to connect with. But tabling that question, um, we do, your sense of purpose isn't going to do me a whole lot of good. I need to have my own um, reflected on an integrated version that I'm comfortable with and referring back to over and over again. But you did say we find it. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how we do that. You've got this really interesting way of assessing values and what makes us happy and, and is an, an attempt to find our purpose. But when we say find our purpose, it sounds like the purpose already exists and, and we have to find it. Is that really how you understand it? Or do we just sort of make it up either as we go along or just once and for all? Well, that's a great question. Um, we, the way, when I use the term finding our purpose, what I'm pointing to is, is a dynamic that we talk about within the context of psychology of, of using our emergent values, of aligning and understanding our values as a way to get at a deeper sense of purpose. And this is one of the techniques that I talk about in the book, drawing on research about what happens when we um, reflect on our lives, reflect on our choices, reflect on the impact that um, our sense of meaningfulness of our work and contributions may or may not have. So I don't mean purpose in the sense of um, it's you know a diamond buried that we have to find, but I do describe it as something that we have um, running through our lives. So one of the exercises I describe in the book is um, using um, a reflection over what we've done in our lives and, and telling a brief story of our life to another person, having them feed back the values they're hearing in that and using that as a springboard for a conversation about what is meaningful to me and are there things that I've acted on that are meaningful to me that are not fully conscious that I could be more aware of and become more um, proactive towards. Um, so when I, when I talk about finding, I don't mean also in this final sense. I think that like the puzzle metaphor, we have to continually return to it and update it. Um, so whether we're doing that as an individual as an organization in the context of a business or religious traditions have to do this over time too, to understand what um, an idea means in the historical cultural context in which it currently lives. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, a therapy in Japan? I don't know if therapy is the right word, but in, in Japan called Morita. No, no, I'm not. So there was this, there was this guy, Morita. He was a, 
um, contemporary of Freud. And he developed a therapy. It's one of the two major therapeutic schools in Japan. And his, I'm, I'm reducing this huge body of work to three sentences, which is how my teacher uh, sort of summed it up. And it's know your purpose, accept your feelings, and do what must be done to fulfill your purpose. And he, in a sense, and again, I'm oversimplifying, but he, in a sense, made a distinction between your purpose and your feelings. Your feelings come and go, he said. They may or may not be controllable at any given moment, but your purpose is steady once you know what it is, once you've found it, as you said, or you know, articulated it. And sometimes your feelings are going to be such that they will encourage you to fulfill your purpose, to do what must be done. And sometimes they're not. You just don't feel like it. But in Marita therapy, they teach you how to simply follow your purpose, promote your purpose, regardless of the, the transient feelings that are going through your head. It's, it's, a ba- it's based on, on Buddhism, Zen Buddhism specifically. So I'm wondering, in, in your book, I got a sense that feelings, it's not like Marita. Marita says, in a sense, feelings are not a good guide to your purpose. But in your book, I get a sense that feelings are, in fact, an excellent guide to discovering my purpose. Is that, is that fair? Yes, I, I, I would say that the reason that they're a useful guide is that emotions, the physical experience that we're having, one of the really interesting things about the time we're in now with, with research is that we have um, a better understanding of how our bodies are registering our environment and um, which actually relates to the sense of purpose. There's all kinds of health benefits um, in terms of our physiology from our glycemic index to preventing risk of Alzheimer's disease, um, sleep, you name it, all inflammation, antiviral response from having a stronger sense of purpose. Now, when we talk about our emotions, Emotions, according to the current research, are also actually rooted in our body. They're our way of our body to make sense about our environment. And we can use them um, to to understand um, and to make decisions. And this relates to the work of the Nobel laureate Kahneman, who talks about intuition is recognition. And the recognition is a recognition that's a very embodied way of understanding our experience. So one of the, to make this like much more practical for our listeners, um, I assign to my students to go pay attention for a week, all the activities that they're going through at the end of the day, each day to log which things they feel passionate about, which are the things they are procrastinating, what they're anxious about, as much data as they can collect about their internal, emotional, physical experience of their day. This then feeds into the conversation about what is my capital P purpose and how closely am I aligning my actions towards this purpose. And you can tell when you're unaligned that, I mean, your emotions will, will sort of give you feedback, I guess, positively or negatively. But I'm, I'm interested just for a moment in the negative, that if you're really not connecting to your purpose, you have psychological and biological, if, if you want to make the distinction, I don't know, but, but um, you know, there, there's going to be changes in your physical body and changes in your psychological state that will point 
out the fact that you're out of alignment with your purpose. Is that true? That's exactly along the lines of what I'm getting at. Um, And you can see in your own experience, because a lot of times we have ideas about what we're good at or what we care about. But when it comes down to actually implementing those activities, um, we don't do it. And that's an important thing to understand. And it doesn't mean that it's not a value of ours, but the only way we can get at this to understand where am I not embodying what I say is most important to me? Where am I avoiding it? And really understand is that resistance because it's so meaningful, there's something at risk for me and actually directly pursuing it. Or is there something else that would make more sense for me to orient myself towards at this point in time? Um, so that's that's the way that this process unfolds. When you look at people, when, when you're talking to people about their purpose, do you f- ever run into something where, well, let's say they're, they're trying to fulfill the purpose their parents imposed on them? Uh, you know, they, they had a purpose, they had a passion, their parents didn't respect it, they pushed them in a different direction, and now they're conflicted. I mean, how, how, how much damage do parents do when they're following their purpose and assuming it's also the norm and their kids should follow that same purpose? I think that it's a key question that we need to understand that the operative assumptions we have about what's meaningful to us, that we have understood their origin, whether that's from uh, parents or other peer groups, we need to do the pro we need to look at for ourselves and understand where the origin of our values and uh, priorities come from. And I think that's actually just part of the process of becoming an adult and individuating. And it's also something that will continue in more and more subtlety throughout the lifespan that will recognize ways in which we've adopted perspectives. Um, because like the metaphor goes, culture is like water or for a fish or air for us. We can't see it. We don't see the influence directly, but there are ways in which we absorb um, the worldview that may or may not fit for us personally. So that needs to be an ongoing assessment and, and for sure with in relation to to parents. And, and I think that this is something I keep in mind in parenting my kids are still very young, um, but, you know, not making assumptions about who they are, what they want to focus on, what they're passionate about, what they love, that we're not raising them to become um, miniature versions of ourselves to fulfill our own ego needs, but but to appreciate the process that they need to excavate their values and purpose and identity. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? 
<sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So you have three children. Um, what, what, what are the age ranges? Seven, four, and three. Seven, four, and three. So, and I have a two-year-old grandson. His his purpose is just to get more dinosaurs. So I don't know how long that purpose will last. But do you notice um, now three may be too young? I don't know. But at some point, can you notice your seven-year-old's purpose? Do, do you see a difference in the three of them as far as what might be driving them? I do. I do. Um, you know, it's funny actually. The um, the three-year-old is very, very interested in questions about God. He's always talking about Hashem and he's um, he, way more than the other two siblings. He's just very interested in understanding what, just asking existential questions. My oldest is um, very interested in um, nature and how things work and, you know, sort of details of, flowers and leaves and kind of ecology and animals. Um, it's, yeah, I, I definitely see differences. Um, and the middle one is, is, has his own, um, he wants to be a punk rocker, but I, I think there's a lot of musicality <laughs> and movement. Yes. In okay. a, so, so you've got a rabbi, a scientist and a musician in the family. That's, that's pretty exciting. So, so, <laughs> Do these, do these change? I mean, they must, right? And they must change over time, the purpose. Is, is it tied to like Piaget's, you know, in developmental understanding of, of child psychology? Is there, can a, can a parent or grandparent look at their kid and say, oh, they're in this stage and their purpose is going to be around X and then it'll change as, as they age? I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think one thing that's clear is that it's vital across the lifespan um, to have a sense of purpose. And this is becoming the big aha for retirement, right? The third act that people who are engaged in their communities and have a strong sense of purpose or through their education are living longer, healthier lives. And our teenagers who have that um, a sense of purpose that is important to them are more resilient in the face of all kinds of challenges that they're experiencing. Um, so, so I think that is a really useful way to, to um, describe it. And then I think one of the challenges or opportunities becomes at each stage to support people in, uh, in understanding that purpose is part of what it means to be human, which circling back to the biology piece I was talking about before, we need, we're healthier when we have purpose. I think that's really important. Um, we are purpose-driven right down to our cellular level. And I think that that's something, if we acknowledge that, then 
we need to look at things like our education systems and the organizations where we spend time in and how we're structuring our interactions. So we're really acknowledging and honoring and supporting that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems, that, that makes sense to me also. I mean, when I was reading the book, I'm looking, trying to look back over my life and say, okay, what were my main purposes? So when I was, when I was in high school, what my passion, and I'm sort of maybe equating passion with purpose, but my passion was to be a famous author. And when I was in rabbinical school, my passion was to, oh, I guess, reinvent Judaism in my own image. And today, I'm 67 years old, my purpose is to have a good bowel movement every day. I don't know if that's a little, <laughs> if that's a little too much information, but you know, that that's that's what's important to me at the moment, not this very moment, but you get the idea. So can you see in your life, I mean, because now you're a parent, you've got these three kids, and you're a researcher, and you're an author, and are, do all these purposes, do all these parts of your life coalesce around a single purpose, or do you see multiple purposes functioning because of the multiple roles you have? Um, profound question. I I think for me, I there's been multiple across time. I think if I were asked to reflect and give a, a, a theme for how I want them to be, um, I think that compassion or uh, service or focus on other people um, is... I've learned over time, both through research and my own um, exploration of a whole bunch of purposes, some of them not particularly helpful to myself or others. I, I think that at this point, I would um, push myself to raise my gaze and see um, where any particular struggle or opportunity, even if it's in parenting, to understand you know, this challenge I'm having with my toddler is an example of what it means to be a parent. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's, and of course, we're running out of time, so we can't explore it any further. But that is very interesting. Let, let me ask you, and these were all sort of global philosophical questions, but let me ask you one last question. It just seemed from reading the book that there was a dimension that I wanted to get your take on that your research doesn't actually focus on and the book doesn't focus on. But, you know, we're living in these incredibly difficult times you know, politically, socially, the rise of autocracies, the collapse of the environment. I mean, all these things that you have to be concerned about, just thinking about your kids as, as I am about my grandson. So even though I realize that, that you're really focused on individuals discovering their purpose and, and using it to their, their, in, in their best interest, is there, do you think, is there a purpose to our species that we ought to align ourselves with? Do you have any sense of that? So the way I think about it is I feel that getting back to understanding purpose and the importance of humanity and compassion in our organizations, in our relationships with one another, in my mind, is the way um, out of our collective issues that we're not going to be able to solve if we do not reimagine what it means to be um, 
what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a parent. And so in my mind, these skills and these frameworks that I am talking about in the book and teaching to the graduate students I work with um, and the organizations I work with, it, it really comes back to this need to um, expect more of ourselves in the day-to-day and to understand that these small choices that we make day in and day out about how we treat one another, the lines we decide to cross, um, the ethical choices we're making, that these add up and really matter. So that's where I find um, my capital P purpose. And I see this connecting back with the big picture in a really fundamental way. That, that makes sense, especially coming from someone who's founding faculty member of the Dalai Lama's Compassion and Cultivation Program. So yeah, I mean, certainly compassion has got to be at the heart of the human purpose with a, with a capital P. So this is, this is really great. We're going to have to leave it here, Leah, but thank you very much for, for talking with us. Our guest today was Dr. Leah Weiss. Her new book is How We Work, Live Your Purpose, Reclaim Your Sanity, and Embrace the Daily Grind. You can read an interview with her in the March-April issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Leah, thanks so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. Great to talk to you. Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, training, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. Before we sign off, let me remind you that this year is the 20th anniversary of Spirituality and Health magazine. As part of our celebration, I'm leading an interspiritual tour of the Holy Land. This is part tour, part pilgrimage, as we engage in contemplative practices linked to the various sites we will visit, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and Baha'i. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and to download the iTunes app for this podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.